the NFL Draft. News on number four. Draft coverage. Live, local, late-breaking. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios, Wolf. I don't, up, Luke? I don't even know if you know this yet. Yeah. Maybe you do. Derek Hall's coming on in a half hour. As a matter of fact, I did know that. Oh, uh, look at you. Well, you know what? You were out walking around looking for food, as I, you typically I, do. Yeah, you know, I found a bagel, but no cream cheese. Um, <laughs> that just, that, that's no way to go through life. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Do we see you scavenge, you know, as you're walking around and look, oh, I'll take that, yeah. donut, and maybe this bagel. And do you have any cream cheese? You lit it up in the last beautiful part of the program, did you? Usually you would have cream cheese, but just none. <laughs> uh, so Derek Hall's going to join us at 1130 to okay, talk about so uh, spring training and, of course, the TV deal that got announced yesterday. Daniel Jeremiah, though, on a conference call yesterday, he was asked if Marvin Harrison Jr. is not there at four for the Cardinals, would you go with Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors or, you know, would you go to a different position? Like, what would you do if MHJ is not there at four? I would take... I, I would take one of the wideouts personally. I think I think if you just look purely off of grade and not um, you know positional value, I tweeted this out the other day. I think you could make a case the three highest graded players in this draft are those three receivers. Um, they are outstanding. I think they're all going to be number one guys uh, where they go. Wow, man! Can you imagine if that really is the case? Uh. <laughs> that all three of them turn out to be number one receiver. I mean, guys that are. Our difference makers, game changers, man, that that would be rare. Well, you could pair that with, we talked to Matt Miller last hour, ESPN NFL draft analyst. He has a story up uh, today right now that, that he he said, it's called prospects with first round grades and their comps, right? You know, I, I know you love the comps. I know. Um, and he, he says flat out at the beginning, look, there's not 32 players with first round grades just because there's 32 teams with first round picks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. true first round grades. He only has 16 players in this draft. Boy, how about that? Four of them are receivers. Those three plus Brian Thomas. Oh, so four, four of his 16 okay. players that he, he deems like true first round talents. Like he's got Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia, who everybody has in their top five or six. Uh, he does have Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels and Drake may doesn't have a single running back in that spot. Like I, I'm not going to give you the whole story, obviously, but four of his 16 are receivers. And then when you pair that with what Daniel Jeremiah just said, I'll be honest, Wolf, I, I like the idea of, you know what? We're getting an elite receiver at four. We've got five other picks in the top 91. We can move things around. We can do whatever we need to do. Yes. We're getting Marvin Harrison Jr., and if he's not there, we're getting Roma Dunze or Malik Neighbors. So, once again, it's a situation where you say to yourself, okay, he's he's got these first-round grades, which I love. I love the fact you got a first-round grade right now, but this is the difference. From the NFL perspective right now, from the general manager's perspective, they got to figure out who fits into this system. Yeah. That's, that's their goal. This is interesting. Somebody looking at it from the other, other side of it is saying, is he worthy of a first round grade or not? When typically there might be somebody who's not worthy of a first round grade, but he is the perfect fit for a team and is going to go play like a first round pick. Does that make Somebody sense? Somebody you could get a 27 or 35. Exactly or right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, again, it's all about fit. It really is. And I think that when you talk about fit, I think the, the reason why I want Marvin Harrison Jr. is because he is 
everything that I think Kyler Murray needs from a wide receiver. Yeah, and, and you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of hesitation sometimes where it's like, okay, we're going to take a receiver at number four. And it's like, wait a minute, is there something more responsible we need to do? You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to the store and I'm buying pizza. Or it's like, maybe I should be buying broccoli. Like, do I need an offensive lineman? Do I need this or that? And the Suns do have other needs, or the Cardinals do have other needs, obviously, which is why I asked Matt Miller when we had him on earlier if, if they passed on receiver at four, if he thought they could still get a really good one at 27. And he was like, I would take one at four. <laughs> like, if you if you want one yeah. of these elite guys, take him at four. There will be receivers there at 27. <laughs> but if, it, and, and I thought, you know, he said, you got to be aware of the fact that there's probably going to be a run on receivers in the middle of the first round. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's something to, to keep an eye on. Here's uh, Daniel Jeremiah Moore from the conference call talking about the three big names at the position. So you get different flavors. Um, you know, with Marvin, you, you kind of get, you know, the big power forward. Um, who can uh, you know? Who's got some some really good quickness for a big guy and, and really tracks the ball extremely well? Uh, a Dunze is, is going to be two hundred close to two hundred twenty pounds. I think you're going to see him run in the low four fours, um, and who's got unbelievable tracking skills uh, to go up and get it and combat catches physical. Like if you're in Arizona and you see him, I think you'll see similarities to Fitzgerald just in terms of how he attacks the ball and goes and gets it. And then Neighbors is just like a stick of dynamite. I mean, he's he's super, super explosive. Just get the ball in his hands and let him go. Um, I think there's more to him in terms of a route runner. I think he'll get more opportunities to show that at the next level. Um, but he is ultra, ultra explosive. Yeah, and once again, when I said this, it's really, really rare that you have three wide receivers ranked as high as they are right now, and it'd be incredibly rare if they all went out and turned into true number yeah, ones. that's true. You go back and you look at some of the picks, guys that were taken high, wide receivers in particular. Man, there's a bust rate on wide receivers, an awful lot. There is, I would say, a higher percentage bust rate than maybe any other position that I've seen out there. And in theory... I mean, all three of these guys are probably going to go to teams. If they're going to go in the top six or seven, they're probably going to go to teams that have a lot of other areas they need to address, too. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, Romo Dunze, I feel pretty good about him because the Chiefs are drafting him, too. Probably going to go to a team like the Cardinals that have other needs as well. So you're right. I mean, history tells us at best probably two of these three guys are going to be good. Um, or great. I mean, yeah. people are talking about them like they're all going to be great. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, <sighs> the best thing is, or, you know, the cool thing is the Cardinals are going to have their list. You heard the cut from Monty Austin for it yesterday. You can tell he loves doing this stuff. Consensus wise, there might not be a consensus be, behind MHJ between Odunze and neighbors, but the Cardinals are going to have their list of three, certainly when they go in. Yeah. One of the great things about this, it's not just about Marvin Harrison Jr. It's not just about Rome Odunze, right? Or Malik neighbors. It's not just about them. It's what they do to everyone else around them for the most part. You want to protect your quarterback base and earnings. The best way to do that, one of the best ways. You get offensive linemen in front of them, Ron Wolfley reporting. And then you know what else you do? You get wide receivers who get open quick. You get wide receivers that know what they're doing. You get wide receivers where on his read, he's going and boom, the ball is coming out quickly because this wide receiver is getting open and because he's got confidence in him and a massive catch radius. You want to protect your quarterback? Give him options. And... Marvin Harrison Jr., to me, gives Kyler Murray the most options. You want to help Trey? You want to help Trey McBride? 
you get a wide receiver out there who is going to attract an awful lot of attention from a secondary. And that is going to help Trey McBride like you got no idea. I don't know if this was caught on the live stream or not, but when we had Matt Miller on and he was talking about what they could do at 27 or 35, yeah. and he mentioned, hey, Graham Barton would be there at 35. I don't know if people could see Wolf just like sit upright instantly. Like, huh? What? <laughs> Graham Barton? Huh? I'm saying that guy. Let's go. Let's get somebody, you know, Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez and Graham Barton, if in fact the Cardinals were able to get Graham Barton, they might be the first, the first offensive lineman in the history of the NFL to fight each other. <laughs> Great. The Phoenix Suns record against winning teams this season has not been great. Do they need to adopt the prove-it mentality that Wolf is adopting? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The All-Star break came to an end last night for the Phoenix Suns. How did they fare against Luka and the Mavs heading into their matchup tonight against the Rockets? We'll talk about it on the Burns and Gambo Show starting at 2 on Arizona Sports. One of those things that you never expect necessarily from Wolf, although I've grown to expect it in the time doing this show. But you'll just come in with these stats sometimes. <laughs> Where did you find this stat? Yeah. So can you give us the, the the stat against teams 500 or better for the Suns? Yeah, talking about the Phoenix Suns right now, um, this is something that I just happened to stumble across, Basinonians. And look, um, let me find it right here. I want to I want to make sure that I've got it right. The Suns are 15 and 16 versus opponents with records of 500 or better. Okay, mm-hmm. 15 and 16 right now and what's really interesting of course is you look at 14 of their total 26 games remaining um okay no that's not the one right there um i'm sorry 18 are against teams with records of 500 or better yeah i'm butchering this no this is why i'm not a driver ladies and gentlemen okay (laughs) this is why i'm not but to me again they're 15 and 16 against opponents that are 500 or better and they've got 18. They had 19 before last night. The Mavericks are above 500, okay? So now it's 18. 18 of them are against teams that are 500 or better. Well, and, and let's, I mean, we don't even need to, we don't need to sugarcoat it. Every team in the playoffs is 500 or better. And that, at this point, is, is what we really care about, right? Right. Well, there's 26 games, and again, 18 of those games are going to be against teams that are 500 or better, and they've got a sub-500 record against said 500 or better. Now, some of those games, I remember at the start of the season, we were looking at this a lot, and it was like the teams that were in the top six in the Western Conference, the Suns, I think I think for a while they were like 1-7 and seven against those teams. They had beaten Minnesota. Yeah. They had lost a couple yeah. of the Clippers. Like they, they just hadn't. Hadn't played a ton of games against them, but they had they had lost a lot more than they had won. Um, and and I do kind of separate the pre-Christmas season for the Suns, just in the sense that the big three almost never played together. They didn't look, they just never really looked right as a team in that first stretch, which is to be understandable or you know acceptable if if they if they then look a lot better in the second half, which they have. Setting last night aside, they have looked a lot better. Uh, and also, I mean, four of the guys that were on the team for the first 40 or so games of the season aren't even on the team anymore. But 
it, it you can't just ignore that either because yeah, what is it? Eighteen of the final twenty six, and one hundred percent of the games after those twenty six, every single playoff team is going to be a, a game is going to be against a good team, and you're not going to make it through the playoffs if you're a, if you're sub five hundred against those teams. Yeah, you know, and this is one of the reasons why. Again, um, I, I think. I'm really bothered by these lapses that we see from the Phoenix Suns. What was the run you were talking about? 33 to 9? 33 to 9. Was that it right there? These lapses that we see from them from time to time. They went from being up 54-43, a few minutes left in the first half, to down 76-63 in the third quarter. Yes. And, you know, that, that to me is something that bothers me because these lapses more times than not they're costing them games when they play teams that are 500 or better and that's bothers me and again i know the big three they haven't all played together and wolf we saw when the big three did play together their sample size they were 19 and 7 Right or they didn't play in all three. They didn't play all of them, but I mean that that was that was the stretch that I'm throwing out right now. These numbers, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Are you okay? Are you all right out there? I don't know. I don't know about all your stats. (laughs) Can you actually listen and follow on this right now? What I'm saying. Look, I've been taking notes and I can't. Yeah, you know, um, once again, it's just a situation where I'd love to see the Phoenix Suns even out their performance and become more consistent. Okay, you're going to have your ebb and your flow. You're going to have your peaks. You're going to have your valleys. I would just like to see them a lot more consistent in their approach and not come out of the tunnel and, and give up a 15 to 0 run. It's, it it kind of breaks down this way. Like, I, I can look up and down the Western Conference and I'm like, okay, if, if the Suns were starting a playoff series tomorrow, how many of these teams would I pick them to win the best of seven? And whether it's fair or not, Minnesota's got a 709 winning percentage this season. I mean, it's absurd. But if the Suns were playing Minnesota in the first round, I would pick the Suns. Um, and some of this is matchup based, but like the problem is, how many of these would I pick the Suns, and how many of them would I feel confident picking the Suns? Like if the Suns are playing Dallas in the best of seven series right now, would you feel confident no. the Suns are going to just cruise through that series? No. And if you're going to win the title. And again, I, maybe that sounds absurd to people, but that's the that's the expectation I'm going to stick with here for this team. If you're going to win the title, y- you have a series mixed in there where you just you just destroy the other team. Like the year the Suns went to the finals, remember they just swept Denver? Yeah. Like it was like, okay, well, we're done with that. We can kind of rest up while the Clippers get beat up in their their series, and then like you don't you tend to not go best of seven, best of seven, best of seven all the way to game seven. You can, but that's a really tough way to, to so work. So let through. me ask you this, Luke Lipinski. What about the Suns and your expectation for them the rest of the way? Do, do they increase their seed or decrease their seed or stay right where they are. Well, they're, they're technically seventh right now because they've lost the tiebreaker to Dallas. Um, I still think they'll get in the top six. They're tied with Dallas, but Dallas has the tiebreaker now and, and they don't play them again. They're a game back of New Orleans. I, I, I still think they're going to be five or six and that's fine. Just, you know, get in the top six. I, 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 I just don't know how to wrap my head around this team because there are moments where you're like, dude, <laughs> Maybe Denver can stop them. And then there are other moments where you're like, all right, I'll start scheduling time for the play-in tournament. Yeah, it's just, again, um, a situation where they have 26 games remaining. Ron Wolfley reporting in 18 of those are against teams with 500 or better records. 18. 
So if they continue the trend and you look at it and they're below 500 against those teams, right, that's obviously not a good thing. Um, Ten of the 18 games are also away games. Ten of those 18 games against teams with 500 or better are away games. And you can see how difficult that is. Yes. Why? What well, do you, what I, do you bring? I, just, I started the segment by saying sometimes Wolf shows up with these stats and you proceeded to throw <laughs> 475 stats at us once. Mel, are you following this, Mel? I mean, it's a lot of numbers. <laughs> it's a lot of numbers. I can tell you that much. This is one of the reasons why, my brothers, I have avoided numbers over the years right there. But, but now this seems to be your moment to just give, this, go this all in on my, numbers. This is my beautiful part of the program right here. I was going to make up for never doing it in the last. <laughs> 18 years. It's just, I feel like if we had a traffic report right now, it would be like every car on the road has pulled over because they're confused by the Wolf and Luke show. Yeah, you know, for me, once again, though, um, in all seriousness, it was that run to start the third quarter. How you start really, really is an indicator to me. How you start a game and how you start a half. Whether it's the first half, of course, or whether it's going to be the second half, whatever it may be, how you start I think it it speaks to your preparedness individually, of course, and then collectively. And to see them come out and start the third quarter the way that they did. Basically, I said this before. Um, I understand what it's like not to be ready to go. I've gone out there and thought I was ready to go. Thought I was ready to go, and I wasn't ready to go. And... Me being in the NFL was predicated on me being ready to go all the time. Predicated on that. And even I would go out there sometimes and think I was ready to go and was not ready to go. I I see this happening a lot with the Suns, where they don't seem to be ready to go. And unfortunately, when they play good teams, I think it costs them. I I think in fairness, we got to give them, I don't want to say a pass. But like like I said earlier, I want to see how they respond tonight, how they play this weekend, because it was the first game out of the All-Star break. Dallas is a decent team and a team that seems to be getting better. It pains me to say that. So if they go out there and they handle Houston, they go out there and they win this weekend, Like if they go on another run, then I can, I can write off what happened last night. I would hope they're not coming out of halftime looking like that ever again. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, but at least I could look at it if they start winning again and be like, okay, maybe it was just something, you know, coming out of the All-Star break and you don't have Bradley Beal. And, you know, at, at a certain point, they sound like excuses. But for right now, I want to wait and see. The problem is they play Houston three of the next four games. So what can we really learn about this? How many, why do you, how many times do you have to play the Rockets yeah. in a week and a half? Uh, all right. So we'll get back into basketball in a little bit, obviously. Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. The Diamondbacks get their spring training slate started today. And they got the new TV deal. Derek Hall is going to join us next to explain that deal. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, everybody, it's Bernsey. The Arizona Diamondbacks are back on the field today for the first time since the World Series. How high can our expectations really be for them this season? It's the Burns and Gambo Show, and it starts at straight up 2 o'clock. Oh, they can, they, those expectations can be pretty high, and... Uh, they're probably only going to get higher over the next month. Wolf, uh, D-backs, Rockies today, 110. You can see that game on MLB.tv, or you can you know, just go to Salt River Fields. Uh, D-backs president and CEO, Derek Hall, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line to talk about how you can watch the D-backs this season. Derek, thank you again for the time. How are you doing? 
You got it. Doing well. We got a ball game here. We're excited. Right on. Finally. <laughs> it's only been three months. It feels like it's been like eight. Um, I know. I'm, I'm going to let you just kind of explain the, the, the TV situation. We can kind of go from there. You got it. So I think there's, there's probably a little confusion because we're, we're going back to Major League Baseball and MLB media as we did the second half of last year. When we were with Bally going through the, the uh, bankruptcy, you know, they determined that they were going to part ways with us in and, and San Diego. Uh, we ended up going over to MLB media. We're going to be doing the exact same thing. The announcement we put out yesterday was more about DBACS.TV, and that's a subscription-based um, streaming system, which they had last year as well. So People are going to be able to watch on, on cable and satellite just as they did last year. MLB is in the process of negotiating with all the, the distributors now, like Cox and DirecTV, and, and then the same platforms that everybody has used. Um, and then, you know, they'll get the smaller distributors around the state that, that were also carrying our games. By moving over to MLB last year, we actually increased the number of households we were able to reach. But then for those folks that have either cut the cord or don't want to watch TV or they don't watch TV, there's the ability to, to stream. So the announcement we put out yesterday on on that dbacks.tv luke was really about that product so people can subscribe for 19.99 a month and they can watch unlimited dbacks games same production same quality as they'd see on tv or they can get the entire season for 99.99 or i think it's if they pay 199.99 they get every game so they'll get mlb.tv as well so d if you've got cable you've already got this free no, no. So if you have cable, you're still going to be able to watch our games like you did for the second half of last season. So if you have Cox, whatever channel it was on, and we'll announce the channels that that are going to be carrying the games when we have those as MLB continues to negotiate with those uh, with those providers. For example, you know, in my house, I've got DirecTV. So for the first half of the season when we were still Bally, at Bally Sports, you'd get us on 686. Right. When we moved over to MLB, it became 686-3, and it'll be very similar this year. So everybody's going to be able to watch us as they have in the past. Okay. We're talking to Derek yep. Hall. Derek, I know that this is not a situation you guys ever asked for last year. I mean, it kind of got right. thrown on you. Um, does it give you, though, some, some more creative control now as you go forward just in terms of, of the broadcast themselves? Well, what we found was, we, yeah, we did have more creative control because we're, we're working with MLB and not a separate entity. And we, we also found that the quality of the production last year was so much better the second half. I mean, they're coming in with new cameras, new looks. Uh, I just thought it was a really crisp and innovative way to, to uh, produce the games. They do a very nice job. So for me, you know, we just want to make sure we can, we can be seen by more households. We want to make sure the quality is, is the best it can be. And the feedback we got from fans who did stream in the same you know, method was, was that they, they appreciated the black uh, the blackout being lifted. So everywhere else, other than our three teams, for the most part, there's a blackout where fans can't watch their team, which really makes no sense, but they can't watch their team in their market. And by being with MLB, MLB lifts the blackout, and everybody can watch on streaming devices if they want to here in the market. But what we talked to... And I think, you know, we talked about this the other day, but we talked to over the air channels to see what the possibilities would be, other RSNs to see if it would work out. Um, bottom line is we just thought for this year, for our business and, you know, for the for the reach, probably the best thing for us to do was to make sure we just stayed consistent with what we did at the end of last year and stay on MLB. So, D, what kind of creative control does your broadcast department have, if any, over these broadcasts? Yeah, well, it's very similar. That's a good question. Um, you know, and when I say we have more creative control, I think because of our communication line and the fact that we're basically the same 
you know, entity, being yeah. MOB and being one of their teams, they'll listen to our input and, and things that we want to add to the broadcast. They're much more willing to do. Whereas before, if it was Bally or Diamond or Fox Sports, they had total control. So we just have more in- input. So if, if fans have suggestions, if our players have suggestions, we can go to them, Wolf, and, and make those suggestions and hopefully work out something to improve the broadcast from that input. Boy, so that actually gives you as an organization more flexibility, correct? I certainly hope so. Yeah, okay. that's, I mean, it felt that way at the end of last season. Okay. And, 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 you know, the great thing about last year when we made that transition over, I, I felt like it was pretty seamless. I mean, we were in a tough spot, you know, as, as Luke said, and, and we really had no choice. So we jump on, on MLB's wagon, and, and they were great. And they made it pretty seamless. We didn't miss a game. You know, it was very close to the All-Star break. And so I, I don't think I got any complaints or any questions from fans like, hey, what happened? I can't find your game. We did a nice job, so did MLB, of announcing where those games would be seen. And we're going to do that again. As soon as we know what those, those channels are when they're finalized and all the distribution negotiations are buttoned up by MLB, we'll be able to do that again and say, hey, if you're on DirecTV, you can watch here. If you're on Cox, you can watch here. If you're Comcast in Tucson, you can watch here. Cable One, here's where you can see it. So that that's coming. But this is just... The announcement yesterday was really just about streaming. And, and I did receive, rightly so, I received some calls and, and emails from fans saying, wait, does that mean I can't watch on TV? I just have to, I have to pay for this, subscribe and stream? No, not at all. You know, okay. that's for those that want to stream. Okay, D, I've got to ask you this right now. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is cr- Players are complaining about see-through pants. Yeah. <laughs> are, are the pants really see-through? <laughs> I think I think they are. I think they are. <laughs> I, what is going I, I haven't, on? Well, hey, Wolf, I haven't seen it. So, so you know, there are some players, though, not in our in our organization, but we've heard around camps that they've asked for their their old pants back. You know, this was a this this new uniform by Nike has been tested out for like you know a year and a half. They they had at the owners' meeting, they had us look at it and feel it and touch it. It's like, yeah, wow, it's breathable, it's lighter, it looks great. And uh, and then they tried it out at the All Star game. The feedback. Back after the All-Star game last year was positive, but now there's just been you know all this negativity about the new uniforms. I I, I haven't heard it. I've had no none of our players complain. Listen, listen. I mean, do we really need to need to see a guy like Rick Russell in see-through pants? It, but you know, well, I mean, as we're talking about TV, anything we can do to improve the ratings, we'll do. You know, that's that's what's happening here. <laughs> Derek, we, we appreciate you coming on and clearing this up for everybody. All right. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. See you guys. That's uh, Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, joining us right there in the, uh, yeah, D-backs have their first game in uh, under three, about two and a half hours. Uh, that's interesting, though, what he said, because I, I do think a lot of people took the first, I mean, I did even, the first, the, the initial, like, hey, here's a way you can watch this for $99 for the season. Yeah as the only option. And right. he just said, that's not the only option. That's basically what we were doing last year. That's just the option that, that was presented first. You know what I mean? Correct. Just timeline-wise. Which yes. I think is huge. Because if that is an that's option and, and not your only option, that is a good option. Like You can walk around and watch the game on your phone. Like You can watch it like a lot of people Correct. watch and consume sports in 2024. So it, it's it's nice to have the options. No, that is that that is so great right there. And honestly, the pants thing too. <laughs> we got to get this cleared up, right? I mean, is, are they really going to proceed like this? You got guys saying, "Man, I, I'm not wearing these." Maybe pants. this is why Josh Rojas kept taking uh, Zach Gallon's pants last year. Remember, he told us that during <laughs> That's the interview. Right? <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, Josh That's Rojas right. keeps taking my pants when I'm not starting a game." <laughs> 
All right. Well, oh, gone. the the power of superstition, isn't that right, Josh? Off the rails even earlier than usual today. All right. When we come back uh, again. Though, thanks to Derek Hall for that. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk some football. Did Michael Bidwell? See a change in Kyler Murray this season. You're going to hear what the Cardinals owner said this morning. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right up now, the funk soul brother. Sons of the Rockets. We start pregame coverage at 5 on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Check it out now. All right, welcome back to the show. We appreciate Derek Hall coming on with us last segment to clear up the options you're going to have to watch the uh, Diamondbacks. This and we do mean clear it up. And we do mean options. It's not like there's just one. Lose so. your mind. <laughs> so you'll be able to find that. We'll post the uh, the interview here uh, shortly. We're going to go over to football. Wolf, are you going to make it till 2 o'clock? <laughs> Just having a lot of fun here on a Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any stats to back up how much fun you're having? <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if I can pull something up for you. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> here, here's uh, here's Michael Bidwell on uh, Bickley and Murata this morning. Uh, he was asked what he saw from Kyler Murray this past year. Each year, I've seen uh, a step change in terms of his growth. And this year, you know, it was a little bit different because he was coming back from that injury. But as soon as he stepped on the field the team rallied around him and you saw what he did and you look at our production on offense you know we we went from a a a good running game team to i think we were top five in the league Mm -hmm. after he stepped onto the field for those last eight games so scoring went up uh the ability to control the ball um he just brought a confidence level and a a leadership to this to the offense and to the, the to the entire team uh that i think was palpable yeah, you know, I mean, I think it was palpable for all of us that are actually watching, but Kyler Murray and the evolution of Kyler Murray as a player and the impact that he had on this offense, it was palpable. <laughs> That's the only way you could say it, because they should have been 4-4 four and four with Kyler Murray as a starter. Mm-hmm. Now listen, Basin Arnings, I'm not big on the shoulda, coulda, woulda. I'm not big on that at all. Unless, of course, you go, what What was her record before that? One and eight. One and eight before that. And watching them, and I love Josh Dobbs. There's no doubt about it. And I loved what he brought to this team and the competitive fire that he brought right there. But you could clearly see this was a better team. With Kyler Murray, yeah, instantly. they went out and instantly, and they went out and they won games. They should have been four and four. Uh, Matt Prater, a guy who doesn't miss field goals for the most part, especially when they're fifty yards or more, missed two of them. Yeah, should have made those, but because he didn't, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is in play, so <laughs> we'll forgive those missed field goals now that it's the middle of February. I'm with you on you can't get caught up in the shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I do think there's a, a line to be drawn of if you're like. Like, hey, we should have won the championship that year. Okay, but you didn't, right? Yeah. But if if, if you're evaluating your own team and, and trying to learn from it or trying to improve things, I do think it's a little more useful because as far as, like, who won the championship or who moved on in the playoffs, that stuff, that's black and white. That's it. Like, you either moved on or you didn't. You won the championship or you didn't. But when you're talking about evaluating your team and you're trying to figure out, okay, how, how good are we with Kyler Murray, well, Okay, you played at a level, and so did he, where you would have been 500, basically. So you weren't 500. Nobody really cares about the Cardinals' record now in those eight games in terms of where it's going to put them in the standings because the season's over. But as far as evaluating, it's like, yeah, okay, but he played well enough where they should have been 500, and that matters. 
You know, I, I saw this just uh, yesterday, or Wednesday, I should say, based on means I went over to these, uh, the training facility over there, um, went over there and actually did a Big Red Rage broadcast, right? And I saw these numbers where they took every major metric, Uh-oh. points, yards, passing yards, third down off, all these major the Arizona Cardinals improved anywhere from 13 to 16 spots with Kyler Murray <laughs> under center, as opposed to the quarterback Josh Dobbs before. Yeah, think about that: 13 to 16 ranked spots, positions in the league. They went up, and they moved up in a positive kind of way. Of course, he's got to be one of the biggest wild cards. Anytime you see those rankings of like, hey, here's the, here's the thirty two best, uh, here's the thirty two starting quarterbacks in the NFL ranked or whatever. Nobody knows what to do with Kyler Murray right now. Yeah, because there are quarterbacks in this league that you look at and you're like, dude, I would much rather have Kyler Murray than who this team has or that team. And it, and honestly, it's more than half. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but what's his ceiling? You know, can can they win playoff games with him? Is it possible to get yeah. to him? The Rams got to him, but there was also a couple of years ago, and there was a Rams team that won the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. so I just I, there are teams in this league that are like, we have to get a new quarterback, and there are other teams that have a quarterback, and they're like, this is our guy. We're not going to do anything. We're never going to go anywhere. And then there are teams that are like, we're going to win a Super Bowl, or we're going to get right there. And then there's Kyler Murray, where it's like we still don't totally know what it's going to translate to on the field. And he's been in the league for a few years now. Now, part of it is switching coaches. Part of it is he took a step back one year. Part of it, obviously, is the injury. I would argue he's taking a step forward now. But one of the things Bidwell said in there right now is like he's he's seen Kyler Murray take a step forward each year he's been in the league on some level, right? Yeah. I mean, is it because we're in Arizona that we're almost over-scrutinizing? I, I, I feel like most young quarterbacks need a couple years. Yeah, no, they do need a couple of years. And um, you know what, too? I think Kyler Murray is a little bit different because how many years of success did he have in college? As a star? It was really just, one yeah, year. one year, yeah. It was one year at Oklahoma. And yeah. he lit it up. And, you know, there were a lot of mitigating circumstances as to why he only got one year, of course, right there and playing. But it was because he was so good. That um, team said, oh, my goodness, we're going to take this kid. And listen, the Arizona Cardinals taking him number one overall. There were a lot of teams that would have lined up and taken Kyler Murray number one overall. Maybe not all of them. Not saying all of them. It wouldn't have done. I'm just talking about a lot of teams would have taken him number one as well because of his skill set and because of what he is. He's gotten incrementally better. And right now, I think we all have an expectation of Kyler Murray. And the best part about this, Basinonians, is he's got an expectation. Kyler Murray has an expectation for getting better in this offense going forward. And you could hear it all season long as suddenly he was developing this part of his game. He was developing this part of his person that he hadn't been acquainted with. A new offense where suddenly he evolved individually as a player and he evolved professionally as a quarterback in the National Football League. And I think he wants to see where this is going to go. It's a big if, I understand. This is probably multiple ifs, but let's, I'm just going to throw the scenario out there. If they somehow made the playoffs and won a playoff game this upcoming year, how much better would everybody feel about the city? You would feel like, okay, we got a top 10 quarterback and we're set. And we wouldn't trade this guy for, you know, just a couple and Mahomes, Allen. Okay, but 
it, to me, I think the the hang up, and I'm not saying this isn't warranted, is there hasn't been any playoff success yet. Mm-hmm. Not, and I'm not saying you have to win a Super Bowl, but like we've only seen one playoff game, and and that could have been on coaching, that could have been on the team around him. It's certainly, some of it was on Kyler too. But if they could make the playoffs next year, and he showed up, yeah, really well, and even if he didn't win the playoff game, if Kyler yes. was like Kyler played out of his mind in that playoff game, he'd feel so much better about where this team is going. But I do think there's there's legitimate optimism around them now, and around him that I don't know that a lot of people had it 12 months ago at this time. Yeah, and you know, as a player, once again, uh, as a person, I think he is growing, and as a leader, he is growing. But I also want to see him individually, as a player, grow in one regard. One regard, Basinonians, and that's when he runs the ball. When he pulls it down and runs the ball. He did it a couple of times. Go back and look at this, especially the last four games of the season. Watch Kyler Murray run the ball and actually go head first. You saw him do oh, yeah. that a couple of times. Yeah. Listen, I, he's got to learn how to do this. Kyler, if you if you play the game with abandon, there is no, there is nothing that will keep your teammates from rallying around you more than that. When you've got the smallest guy on the field, for the most part, who plays with abandon, this is why, this is why I want to see Kyler play with abandon. His teammates will run through the five levels of Hades, for the most part, to get to his side and protect him. It's, it's the impact that a, a quarterback has. It's the impact that a small, diminutive guy has on the game of football. Isn't that right, Buda Baker? All, the, all of his teammates love Buda Baker so much because why? <laughs> Is he the biggest guy in the field? Nope. Is he the fastest guy in the field? Nope. Is he the most talented guy in the field? Nope. But he's going to beat you. Yeah. He's going to bash your face in. I mean, I'll try. You, I mean, you can go back to that Rams game. That, that inspires playoff game, everybody, Luke. And Buddha got hurt. And I remember Cam Akers kind of stood over him for a second. And the entire Cardinals <laughs> team was like, no, no, no. You don't mess with Buddha. Uh, no, I, I think it's, it's something... It's something to keep an eye on now. You know, Bidwell said it in there that that this is this is you know this is a guy that you could see them rally around him when he stepped on the grow. field, and I don't know. Maybe I wasn't looking for it so much two or three years ago. I was just kind of like, okay, this guy's their quarterback. He's in his first or second or third year or whatever. But but last year it was it was very obvious of like Kyler's back. Let's go. His t- from his teammates. I'm saying not yeah. from fans or the front office or whatever. Like that stuff's all it all matters too. But. It felt like his teammates rallied around him in a different way last year. And I don't know if it's because he was around the facility for basically a calendar year rehabbing. I, I, I always think of that cut of DJ Humphreys before the season where he's like, I've gotten to know my quarterback now more than I did the first four years he was in the league. But that also showed uh, on the field, too. And now the question is, can they get it to show more in, in wins and losses uh, next season for a full year? Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch, and maybe Wolf will have like nine more stats for you. It's Wolf and Luke <laughs> on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.